March 12, 2023. It's a Watt for Pedro show. The thing that I'm trying to, I'm going to concentrate on is trying to write for the band. That I'm going to do first. And uh, if uh, it becomes necessary through the music to have another horn, then I'll do it. You know? Then if not, I'll just see the quartet. But uh, I think it's important that first I get the music, you know, the type of music that we're going to play. I would only accept uh, a financial loss if I was sure I was going to uh, reap something musically, see? And as it is now, I don't have the music doesn't call, demand another horn because it's all worked out between just the rhythm section and one horn. But as I say, if uh, in a year, uh, year two, if the things that uh, we're going to start writing for the band, if they reach the point where they sound like they call for another horn, or if you need another horn to really express these ideas, then I had to get one. You know, even if it means making less. You know, I am. Yeah. Good. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you.
Watt from Pedro Show. Happy Sunday. Started off with uh, John Coltrane talking about adding another horn in the band to Michael uh, DeRoyter, October 26, 1963. I wonder if it's from an earlier spiel, and that's when Michael was talking about. Got the fucking monitor on? Fuck. 21 years, 10 months of doing this show, I'm still blowing fucking clams. Then we have part <laughs> one of six. <laughs> Curtis Lick Roberts, new album, May 99. This is part one of six, people. And you could tell probably that I'm not man alone because of those Skype engineers in Estonia. I got with me from, I think, uh, well, part, part parts all over the place, like uh, Italy, uh, New York City. Where you, where you at, Charles? I'm in New York also. Okay, so two of them are New York City. Okay. Anyway, welcome aboard. Uh, Dean Roberts, Alan Lake, Charles Curtis. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Love this record you gave me. Thanks so much. Uh, now, I've had Dean on the show before, and I've had Alan on the show, but I ain't had you on the show yet, Charles. So let's go through your little musical journey. Can you bring your earliest musical recollection, please? Whoa, my earliest musical recollections. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in, uh, in Southern California, in, in Laguna Beach. Mike, did you grow up in California? I came from Virginia when I was nine, from Norfolk, nor smoke, nor drink. But you were oh, okay. in Orange County, okay. behind the Orange County curtain. I, my pop was a machinist, mate. If you look on a map, Vietnam's a lot closer to SoCal than Virginia. <laughs> so that's why I moved out here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually born in Southern California, but I had uh, a German mother who was um, very, very involved in, um, you know, German folk songs and Lutheran hymns and playing uh, the zither. And so if you ask me what my earliest musical recollections are, that's what, that's what it would be. It would be my mother playing the zither and singing um, these very, very soulful, very melancholy um, folk songs and hymns. Yeah, and uh, there's an Orange County town, a town called Anaheim, which translates yeah. German to our home. Yes. And when I'm thinking Zither, I'm thinking fucking third man. Mr. Wells she, is getting that guy outside that cafe in Vienna to do the whole fucking soundtrack real ass loud. I think the dude toured on it for years after. Mike, that is exactly the piece she used to play for us on the Zither, the third man theme. I love it. That's it, man. That's it. Love and it. Love I have Zither, and for years I have been planning to find the time to teach myself how to play a little bit of Zither. I have one. It's a complicated instrument because, you know, you have to um, you play the melody on the bottom five strings and then you have these harmony strings that are more like a harp. So it's very complicated to play. Sympathetic been... resonating strings, right? Yeah. Like and then the resonating strings. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think I'll ever in this lifetime make it to actually be able to play the third man theme. But um, yeah, well, let me that ask was... you this. So in the pad you grew up, there was a zither. Oh, yes. She brought her zither from Germany. But, but you never jumped Cal on it? Say that again? You never jumped on it? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. <laughs> well, I, I got to ask that question. You know, kids get yeah. curious. Uh, yeah. What was the first album you bought with your own money? 
Ooh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. I think it was Pink Floyd Metal. I remember that one. I didn't realize yeah. it was a fucking picture of an ear. Well, it had that. The first side was this very long piece. Echoes. Echoes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah there's parts of it in that live at Pompeii thing. The albatross. There's a, it's all about the albatross. Yeah. I think it was that, probably about 1977. <laughs> yeah, if you open it up, I, it was I started playing kind of late. So it was I was a gatefold. 17. If you opened it up, Rick Wright looks like Charlie Manson. <laughs> so anyway, what was the first gig you saw? The first gig that I saw, oh my God. Well, you know, Mike, the, the thing here is that I came up mostly doing classical music, right? So I don't know. I mean, I, and I honestly, I didn't see that many classical concerts when I was small. So I'm, 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 I'm drawing a little bit of a blank it's here. It's a lot from I mean, Pedro's show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. Yeah, I mean, it would have been going up to Los Angeles from Laguna Beach to hear something or other, probably some kind of Young Musicians Foundation event where, you know, a youth orchestra was playing, something like that. Um, okay, music I, is music, I, so to me it's okay. You don't have to be a fucking Alice Cooper at the fucking forum. Blue Oyster called it the Long Beach. It was not that, that's for or like sure. with me and D. Boone, T-Rex at the Long Beach Auditorium when we were 14 years old, 1973. Okay, but Mike, because I'm talking to you now for the first time ever, I want to ask you where Firehose played in a, because I went to a, a show of yours. It was in a guitar store in Santa Monica, and they had a venue in back. Yeah, it's called was McCabe's. McCabe's or yeah, something Doc like that. Watson, yeah, all that acoustic stuff, but it got repurposed for gigs. But anyway, I want to keep this story on you because we only got so many things and people hear fucking about me for 21 years, 10 months now. So, Charles, what about at, at school? Were you in the marching band or choir or shit like that? Yes. Yes. In fact, I played trombone at that time. Bass cliff. So, How did you get on the bone? Well, um, I don't know. I, I, I like the fact that you could slide on it and you could use the, the toilet plunger as a wah. And so I got into trombone very early in elementary school. And, um, and yeah, bass clef. So it, would, it was easy for me, a little bit of tenor clef. And then I dropped the trombone because they made me play bass trombone and it was too heavy. I couldn't hold it in my hand on my shoulder. So I dropped that. And then it was just cello. You know, I'm trying to learn fucking euphonium, and you say mouthpiece, 12C is there. Who's making all that racket, Dean? Fuck. Yes, sir. Callate, callate. <laughs> it's Espanol for fucking shut up. Okay. So, you're in, what what kind of band? Is it like the concert band where you sit in chairs, or where is it the marching band? Uh, I, I don't think I ever marched with the trombone. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, but I also played, you know, in church. I sang in church, so you know, um, right. there, there was that whole side of it also. Was well, you know, the, a lot of rock and roll singers came out of the church. Sure, and also yeah. a lot of soul singers like Aretha and stuff. Yeah, and country too, of course. Absolute, absolute Elvis. I've, I've been, in fact, the church in Tupelo, right? Uh huh. Where he learned how to sing like that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what about the thing after school? I'm not talking graduating. I'm talking about in the afternoon where they do the garage band, the basement band, the yeah. uh, bedroom band. Now, you're from the time like me. You know, I'm 65 years old. So 
they didn't really have ska yet. Because remember, ska's where the the brass guys could finally play with rock and rollers. Mm. Did you do that? No. In fact, the the idea of you know playing in a band and making your own music that didn't happen until I was in my early twenties when I was already in New York. I mean, okay. you have to understand, I was I was very orthodox classical music, just you know, very much within that world, that kind of disciplined world. So after school, it was just practicing the cello in the back room of my house. If I wasn't going down to the beach to surf a little bit before it got dark. Okay. Okay. And uh, so what about that first band? It was a college band, right? No, I was at Juilliard and I had dropped out of Juilliard and I was living with, um, I, I was renting a room on the Upper West Side from the mother of of somebody who was in a band. The band was called You Suck. And she saw that I played the cello and she said to me, we are playing at CBGB on Saturday and you are going to be there and you're going to play. And she said this so forcefully that I had no uh, option but to show up and play. I said, OK, I'll, I'll be there with my cello. You tell me what to do. Was and it, that was the first band I played in was You Suck at yeah, was CBT. It, wasn't there a yeah. trippy uh, cello band here in SoCal called Fat and Fucked Up? Never heard of them. Yeah, yeah, there was. Maybe a couple cellos. But, okay. they, but they stayed weird. They didn't turn into an ELO thing. There were some ladies who would dress goth in New York City that played cellos. God, what oh, yeah? Were their names? Yeah, something with an R. Rasputin, something like that. That's it. Yeah, but I've always stayed away from that stuff. It was too theatrical or too, I don't know, something. (laughs) That's all right. I wasn't trying to make a competition. I was just trying to reference, you know, the drama, the cella, because it's tuned in fifths, but it's got, you know, bass, clef, treble. It's got such a wide range. It's an incredible instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here, I want to play part two of this record you got with uh, Alan Charles.
I read one last night in uh, in Baltimore uh, for Edgar Allan Poe, because that was fitting. We were in the old buildings of Baltimore, and then I'll switch to the uh, uh, political poem. This was uh, a Buffalo Bebop Blues, Forsyth, and uh, it was uh, in old San Francisco and the Baltimore Eclipse. Now it's for the land in the age of apostasy. So, yeah. Was Poe afraid on these same brick streets tonight in Baltimore? Was he afraid of the fluorescent eyes of dogs? The raven's reflection, the rat's scat through sawdust in Holland's market, the smell of rot and burlap thick as fur, afraid of roaches, disease of poverty, loud poverty, boombox, crackle crap, whip, poor ponies pulling carts full of greens up Green Street, overloaded with greed, afraid of the thick sky over foggy tavern doors on cross street cloud draped rummage crimson cloak threading from the hill down to curling dark water bay afraid of the statues with iron poet capes flowing into formal rapture and cast hollow spirits looking down cold upon those animated walking and talking past old doorways afraid of the wine the drugs the vault of alcoholic shorelines ragged fault floating in a dream grave afraid to yell smug disciples repeating versions of hell the whirl of a wash a tangled thread sets an alarm that turns to dread makes the vision flow inside into creation and how such grace is fed. Life is a poor host grabbing guests who came, swirling great pleated sheets, wrapping the stars, leaving, streaming party coils to their last cars, some on twilight's slightly twisted cane.
from Pedro show start off that chunk of music the part two six of this uh it's called may 99 curtis lick roberts then guided by voices cousin jackie la la land right uh, bob pollard every other month you gotta have a new album right this man puts the p in prolific people <laughs> fuck uh Here's here's a title, huh? Noisuka with uh, designed by narcissistic pricks in the Silicon Valley, assembled by suicidal wage slaves in Asia. 
Yeah. And then Spotsky with Past the Mini Pipes. This is something he recorded in Hermosa Beach at Media Art, 1978. Studio he helped put together. Miss Spotsky, big time. Love that man. Uh, Charlie Plymel, myself, August 9th, 2008, Philadelphia, Fishtown part. Was Poe afraid? He uh, backing up Charlie on bass and him reading one of his poems. Hubert Selby, Jr. Infants, brand new band out of Dublin, Ireland. Build Me a Monster. And finally, Bombas Prennan with Rogue Wave. So, Charles, so you play this gig at CBGB. Yeah. With uh, You Suck. And how, was it a failure, a success? Well, the, the whole idea of that band was to be a failure. So it was, a, it was inevitably a success because it was supposed to be a failure. Um, and it was a very large assortment of people. And it was kind of like the, uh, the group out of which grew the band King Missile. Oh, I and, remember them cats. Yeah. And I was actually, believe it or not, I was actually a founding member of King Missile. I was one of three. It was John S. Hall, uh, Dog Bowl, and me. But before we could do very much, I had quit because I thought the band was so ridiculous. Uh, you know, we were doing a song called uh, World War Three is a Giant Ice Cream Cone. And... Um, I just I couldn't really relate to it. But I came back into the band later and was in and out of King Missile over many years, actually. Um, but that started with you, Suck. OK. Now, how do you meet Alan? How do you meet Dean? Right. Yeah. I've been trying to figure this out. And um, right about the same time as my little incursion into, you know, the rock and roll, you know, weirdo rock scene. Um, which I have to say was incredibly beneficial to me musically. I mean, I was really astonished by the musicianship of the people that I was suddenly playing with and being around. But around the same time, I became involved with the music of Lamont Young and also with Lamont as a person and sort of studying with him and working on his music. And it must have been in... I've been to the dream house. I spent yeah, about the two or three house. hours. It and, was like a July or an August, so it was sway as a motherfucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think it was in connection with that. It must have been at an event. Yeah, it was It was a concert uh, that, I don't know if Lamont was performing, it might have been a tape concert of one of his former uh, colleagues, like yeah, Angus like McLeese or, yeah. or um, Terry Jennings. And I met you and Michael Schumacher at the same time, and it was Donald Miller from Barbara Damagus, I think, who introduced us. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And how's yeah. Dean fitting? And that's a long time ago. That's probably 1989 or 90. I think earlier, Alan, I think 88 maybe. Really? Or early 89. Maybe it could have been. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. And how's I don't Dean, know if how I knew Donald the- until... 89. How does Dean fit in? How does Dean fit in? Uh, not, not, to, not to like be very <clears throat> interested in that tiny fucking little bit of minutia. But. Well, my first recollection of Dean was a show at the Cooler where Dean did a very beautiful solo set. And I think I might have met Dean before that, but that's the first time I heard Dean. And I just remember the visual image of Dean in the middle of the stage, sitting down, holding maybe a Telecaster. I'm not sure now, but a kind of a diminutive figure in the middle of the stage playing. I don't remember what it sounded like, but it was very 
compelling and very, very focused and very beautiful. But I think we might have met a little bit before that, Dean. I, I remember that cooler pad. It was like Chelsea or something, that, that lower west side. 14th, 14th, 14th Street. 14th Street. Yeah. It was okay, the meatpacking district. Then. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere yeah. between Christopher Street and Chelsea <laughs> Hotel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was like kind of avant-garde, right? Thurston didn't play there all the time. Yeah. 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 That's how it was. Um, I think it would have been 95, I think, 1995. Mm. And there was this crazy um, collection of people that were um, people from the free jazz scene and the rock, noise rock scene converging. So there was um, the No Neck Blues Band, my band, Thaler, and Thurston, and um, Rashid Ali, and all of these incredible musicians all converging there on quite a regular, it was quite a special place. that, And that was my introduction into the New York music scene. And right. then I think, if I remember correctly, I've been trying to figure this out through different methods of forensic uh, memory research. But I, I think that um, Charles and Alan and I all met um, there with Tim Barnes. Tim was Barnes, the drummer well, man. He, was, he was the catalyst. Uh, well, I had met you a little before that, Dean, because when Stella came over from New Zealand to tour... I was on one of those shows playing duo with Lauren. That's right. Yes. Honors in and Boston. It was, you, it was you and Lauren and Thurston and Tom Sergal. Right. Tom Sergal, white yeah, out. It's like a, yeah, it's like a triple bill. So yeah. that would have been, I think that would have been the first time I, I met you. But then yeah. it probably wasn't too long after that, because that, you sort of stayed in New York, right? Yeah, after that tour. Yeah, I stayed for like a year or nearly two years after that. Um, but yeah, that's that was um, that's what I can remember from how we actually established our friendships and our uh, music uh, working relationships. And what happened and with the cooler? It ended up shutting down, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably early two thousands. Very early. Yeah. And what took its place? Tonic? Yeah, for a while. And yeah. then yeah. something called the Stone, right? Yeah, that was... Because I always think of the Stone up in the city, but I know New York City had its own version of the and, and And that's kind of a John Zorn trip, right? That one is entirely John. John runs that one, yeah, yeah. Well, he had something to do with Tonic also, I think. But I don't think uh, so much the cooler... He, he, he booked it for a while kind of early on, but it's, I think people have overstated how much he had to do with it. How, how I think it sort of got on people's can, radars. Can I ask you something, Alan? He was doing there, but. Can I ask you something, Alan? How, do, how, do, how does uh, roulette fit into all that scene? Well, roulette has been going longer than any of those. Yeah, and, and it's that, still going, like right? The original place, the kind of like a loft thing for, uh, free improv, yeah, not yeah. counting the kind of free jazz lofts earlier in the 70s. And uh, 
Yeah, that's run by the guy Jim Staley, who's a trombonist, speaking of trombone. Uh, and, and it's still going. He was running it out of his own living space for a long time, and now he's wow. got a different space in Brooklyn. John Coltrane, sideman on a prestige record with J.J. Johnson, Bone Man. God, he made one with a tuba guy. I mean, <laughs> anything for junk, right? Yeah. Glad he got healed from that <laughs> fucking shit. Uh, so anyway, you guys all three meet at this kind of scene. And, well, I want to get into, we're almost out of time here, but I, I, we get, in the next hour, I want to get into, like, who gets all Einstein says, let's make a power trio record. <laughs> okay, so I want you to fucking. I, I want you to commiserate theory. on that. All right, think, yeah. put on your thinking hats, your tinfoil shit. And uh, people, it's the end of March twelfth. Nope, March thirteenth, twenty twenty-three edition of Watt Pedro Show. No, it is. Today's the twelfth. Yeah, it is the twelfth. Yeah. <laughs> my my pop would say, "Boy, you'd fuck up a two-car cracker funeral." Yep. Sorry. Hold tight for hour two. March 12, 2023, it's the second hour of Watt Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro's show. Start off the second hour. Part three of six. May 99 is the name of the piece. Curtis Lick Roberts is the name of the trio behind it. Alexander Hack after that out of Berlin. Tota Kammer is part of his big piece on this fictional young man. Uh, it's, a, it's a trippy piece. Alexander also plays with uh, his wife. They got Praj. Hack. Uh, to pit, 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 pit. Picciotto. Picciotto, Picciotto. sorry. Picciotto. Picciotto. Fucking idiot, what? Stunato, huh? <laughs> I, you know, I learned this from my grandpa, the same grandpa. He was, uh, one of their words for stupid is out of tune, right? Stunato, out of tune. Yeah. Good, especially for our line of work, right? Uh, Damon Smith and Pandelis Cariogas with Entanglement and have a nice life with the demo of I'm Dr. House. Okay. So you guys think about it. How'd you come up <laughs> with this idea for fucking May 99? Um, well, we just organized a tour in Germany and um, Belgium, Netherlands, I think. It's very hard to remember, actually. But we did. You're saying tour. you organized a tour? Before you guys yeah. even played together? Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. We didn't play together in New York yeah. at all before that tour. Really? And the idea of the tour was to <laughs> improvise every night with, with okay. um, well, sound tones. Why, 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 why did you stop at three guys? Why didn't you go for 12? Yeah, yes, we jammy Kano is not. I've heard that we jammy Kano is not just a slogan. Yeah, it's true. It's actually, it's actually right. a way of life. Right. So yeah, we we had um we had a, a rental car, um, and we just went on the road and did that, and uh, we recorded everything. I think every concert we recorded somehow, um, either from DAT tapes or cassette tapes or from my Roland um hard disk recorder but we recorded everything and so we had amassed quite a lot of music and um it wasn't just until recently that we were able to go back through those tapes and alan went back through all of these cassette tapes and found some pieces of different live concerts that we did on that trip and it was a great trip and one of the um, anecdotes that I remember the most from that trip was that we were often staying in the same apartment and we had this conversation about eating one night. We had a conversation about eating bananas because I had heard this myth that if you eat bananas before going to sleep, because of the potassium content of the bananas, it makes you have very uh, psychedelic, strange dreams. And so we, we made this challenge where we said, okay, we'll all eat a banana before we go to sleep. And then tomorrow morning, Charles proposed this idea that in the morning we have breakfast together and we will um, share um, our um, whatever happened in our psychedelic dreams from the night before. We're not taking drugs or anything, 
just eating bananas. <laughs> and I remember that Alan's dream, Alan said that his dream was that he had a dream that the band Hanson was shooting a music video on his parents' front lawn. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Like Rudy Van Gelder's first recording studio was his parents' living room, right? Yeah, Imagine that shit. Right, right. Yeah, so I read a book recently about Rudy Van Gelder. It was interesting. Hackensack, right? Across the river yeah. there, or across... Yeah, that's yeah. River. Uh, uh And then... Then we did this, the majority of our um, tour, it was a lot of time spent in Amsterdam at um, the VPRO radio studios, and we did a session there. And correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, is it some of that VPRO session on the record? Well, that's entirely what it is. That's It is, mainly. That's, that's what the whole record is made of. It's... I thought it was in Hilversheim. We recorded three different pieces for that, and the record is sort of uh, kind of stitched together from excerpts. I thought, you know, the VPRO session. Yeah. Yeah, I did one of those sessions. I thought it was in Hilversheim, which is like Holland's uh, Hollywood, right? It's not too far from Amsterdam. Anyway, let let me play uh, part four.
lot for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with part, part four or six, May 99. Curtis Lick Roberts. Then If Moana. This is up the river, right? Chester, New York. Al Margolis. Him and Walter Wright just gave me some new stuff for a new El Cabong collab. I'm going to use uh, the string side of Brian May. May. Day. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. ESP Summer, Simple Eye, and then finally Jad Fair and Samuel Locke Ward. Brand new album from them. And this song's Time Where You Are. Can you remember the first gig of this tour? Yes. Bring. It was in Munich um, at uh, a club that used to be a famous jazz club. Um, I forget what it's called now, but it used to be called Die Unterfahrt. And, um, <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was the first gig because we met up uh, right there. And uh, it was a good gig, actually, because we had no idea what we were doing. We were just throwing things together and, um, you know, completely without a plan. And, uh, yeah, so I, that was the first gig. There was no discussion? I don't think so. Well, yeah, I mean, not beyond the basic idea of playing with... Um, the sign, you know, there's this whole this whole idea of like playing inside a sign tone environment is sort of borrowed from Lamont Young. That was something that he did, and so this is kind of us doing it, but with electric guitars and a cello instead of, you know, Lamont would you'd usually have vocals and um, yeah. Uh, Lamont started like out horn, as a horn, sax- horn instruments, I think usually. Yeah, Lamont started out as a sax man, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then he got into that well-tempered thing, uh, well-tempered tuning or something, uh, just tonation. Or, yeah, big, it ended up fat chords on the seventh floor of that building where I sweated to death. But it was a trip. I will say <laughs> that. Uh, I'm, no, I'm trying to relate, like, when Jan, the first time I did a gig with Jandick, he didn't discuss anything until, like, five minutes before we go on. He says, so what are we going to do? And he, looks, yeah, and he looked at the drummer. The drummer was like 20 years younger than us. He says, you know, you know, uh, cream, you know, Ginger Baker. <laughs> Maybe my dad does. And I said, oh, you want, you want me to play like Jack Bruce? He says, yeah, baby. And that was it. <laughs> well, he showed, no, he did show me a box, uh, like a stomp box. He says, I'm going to try to use one of these. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, when I played with him, he just said, play aggressive. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, so some people are like that, right? We're, I mean, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to do. Rudolph Craig, I said, what's the structure of this piece when we were in the recording studio? And he said, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Ellen telling me this story, Ellen, um, about playing with Rudolph Gray, and, and he would just say. Red transistor, say, what, right? What's the piece? And he was, and he would just say, "Ah, oh, just start slow and build." <laughs> he interesting yeah, guy. I think he wrote a. Bi- I think he wrote a bio on. I'm almost uh, longer than five minutes. I think he wrote a bio on uh, Ed Wood. Yeah, yeah. yeah interesting man. I'm, that, yeah. Greg, Greg Ginn put yeah. out some of his He's records, and that's where I met him. Right. New Actually, yeah, very interesting right. guy. I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot. Yeah. So, so that first gig was just feeling it out, right? I think yeah. so, you know, and I, I don't really remember any discussion in any way. Nobody would have asked anyone else, what are we doing? Because nobody had the authority to say, oh, let's do such and such. It was really just, 
I mean, particularly for me, because I was also using a little dictaphone and I was using cassette tapes from our friend Jeff Perkins. And I was, you know, running things fast forward and then backwards. And uh, I had a number of devices and I didn't really know what I was going to do with them. So it was sort of like a workshop, you know, it was sort of like get this stuff out there and connect it up and see what happens. That was what that first gig was like. For yeah. Me. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. I think everyone kind of came with things they wanted to try out, but yeah, it was just a matter of putting it into practice. Yeah, you know, throwing it against the bulkhead. See, <laughs> happens. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, March 12, 2023. Dish Wap Peter, so special guests Alan Lick, Charles Curtis, Dean Roberts. Hold tight for hour three. March 12, 2023. It's the third hour. Watt for Pedro show.
for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with part five of six, May 99. It's a new album by Charles Curtis, Down Lick, Dean Roberts. Then we had 99 letters. Maka Fushigi. Come in there, set. <laughs> Asshole. I ruin all kinds of people's languages, people, even my own. So I'm dear, dearly sorry about that. Uh, so let me get this straight, guys. Charles, Allen, Dean. This record actually is several gigs, all like kind of edited together. No, it's just the one the one session at VPRO. Okay, but okay. The parts okay. are different. We did like three different pieces for that session. Okay, so that's what's edited together. Yeah. Okay, okay. But how long down the road was that gig? Was it in the beginning, middle of the tour, was, end of the tour? It was towards the end, I think. Okay, right? so what I'm yeah, saying is it, it could like benefit it could benefit from the experience of all the gigs before that, right? Right. Yeah. So it wasn't like you introducing all your things well. Because you've been doing that now, and you've been getting certain reactions from your the other two guys in the band. I'm talking to you, Charles. And so, right, there comes organically, you guys kind of grew into a group, right? A, a, an yeah. ensemble. I think so, the one the one difference would have been that the concerts would have been like a full hour at least, uh, kind of nonstop. And the VPRO session was, I think, each each piece was 20 or 10 or 15 minutes. That might have been the reason. So it was like that. You know, yeah. Well, I think even that. I think they edited into a a much shorter program because I think there was. I think I also have a cassette somewhere of the the actual radio program that they broadcast, and there's some interviews with us interspersed with excerpts from what we recorded. So I don't think they ever broadcast these pieces um, in their full, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, duration. Now, now, uh, like. There was nothing, no discussion before that first gig. But as the gigs went on, did you guys start talking about what you guys were doing besides banana dreams and shit? <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say that I think that we were doing very different kinds of gigs as as the tour advanced. There were there were shows where we would each start with a, a solo and then play together. Um, there were gigs, as Alan just mentioned, where we explicitly decided to play continuously for an hour or more, maybe hour and a half, so that it would be more like, almost like a sound environment and that the the audience would be coming in and maybe going out and, and coming back. And so we were doing a lot of different things. I don't think it was a, you know, a progression towards more and more, um, you know, uh, agreement on what we're going to be doing as a group. I think it, that, anyway, that's my impression. That's my recollection of it, is that it it kept that very nice feeling of open-endedness and kind of like a, 
like a work I, I, coming back to that word it felt like a sort of a workshop like we're up there trying things that's my recollection i don't know well, how do you feel about that dean i agree I, I and i think that um some of the discussions that we had on our transits on the road mm. were about these ideas of some of for me personally i was really interested in the groups like um Musica Electronica Viva, uh, Nuovo Consonanza, and AMM, and this idea that um, a concert is just a staging of a situation, and also, of course, John Cage's concepts of how um, Cage and Tudor did these stagings of events that our approach in a way was that we weren't like a touring rock band or anything, but we were creating a kind of, um, or staging a kind of uh, event that could be like an installation or could be considered, like Charles said, that, um, you know, people could walk in and out. And a lot of this reminds me now that you mentioned Jeff Perkins, was because we sort of started to work with this sort of concept a bit with Jeff about the idea of the um, the idea of this sort of like it's kind of a, it, eternal performance that mm. or, or the, the, what what defines a performance or a concert and being an improvising musician um, the way that you treat the 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 situation and you, the way that you um, uh, um, participate in a situation is is somehow a different method to being a concert performer, I guess. Yeah, if yeah. That makes some. Kind no, of it sense. makes it makes real good sense and opens up a lot of fucking wondering for me. Thank you so much, Dean. I want to play the last part, part six of six. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
What for Pedro Show last music for this edition. Started the chunk off with May 99, part 6 of 6. Charles Curtis, Alan Lick, Dean Roberts. Then we had Stefano Palia, out of Bologna, Healing Memories. Finally, Andrea Belfi from Verona, Italy, Berlin now these days. And this is how I met Dean Roberts. Tell Andrea. Live I'm from so Oregon. happy that you played both those guys are very good friends. And yeah, live from I'm Oregon, so Torino on December 1, 2019. And it's through those two guys playing with the Manil Sonia de Manayo is how I got to meet Dean. Yeah. And uh, so this is a 24-year-old recording, correct? Yes. <laughs> it, is there plans for other 24-year-old stuff? Well, there's a... Uh, if you pre-order it from Blank Forms, you, it comes with a cassette from the same tour in uh, recording from Bremen. And is there a website people can go to there? Yeah, blankforms.org. Okay, B-L-A-K-N-K-F-O-R-M-S.org, people. Check that okay. out. And now what about in the 24 years since? Have you guys played together? No. No. <laughs> well, we did this. We did this twenty-four hour concert when we got back. I think, or maybe a couple months after we got back, yes. where we played three different uh, venues: one tonic in the afternoon, and then Jeff Perkins' loft in the evening, and then in a park outdoors, sort of in the Wall Street area. I think, uh, like in the very early morning, like five in the morning. <laughs> or something and so it wasn't 24 hours continuous but it was you know the better part within of 24 hours yeah now yeah. now plans to put any of that out i, I don't know if we recorded it uh, oh okay that's, it. Recorded. Yeah, that's not recorded but, i think if if, an, if anything the plan is for us to get together again and and i was going to say 24 years later i was going to say is there is there a chance of doing that without it being some kind of Fonzie Potsy Happy Days bullshit kind of thing. <laughs> I would like it to be a Fonzie Potsy Happy Days bullshit. <laughs> I remember my great. pop when that TV show came out. My pop said to me, "Boy, those were not happy days." I didn't mean to three's company. I didn't mean to flush the punch bowl. I did not mean to flush the punch bowl. <laughs> But but it, 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 more more than sentimental nostalgia. I mean, you guys had a good time on that tour, but just the chemistry you dug, and you'd like to revive that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. And I think it would be really different as well because we have, our trajectories have been really different since then. I was um, uh, I was twenty seven years old then, and I I think that it, that somehow the the way that uh, music has evolved for me and the practice that has been involved for music for me has become uh, different. But in the whole time with Charles and Alan, there has been an alignment in our kind of thinking. And that I'm not a classical musician and I'm not a a great guitarist or singer or anything like that but somehow we have um, maintained our friendship over those years in terms of our interests common interests 
in that we're uh, three um, three geeks. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. And here's what I'm putting out. Here's my invite. You guys come together and record again. Will you come on the show and play it and talk about it? I'd love. I think that'd be a trip. I'd love it. Of course. <laughs> it'd okay. Be amazing. Okay. Okay. Deal then. Okay. Charles, Alan, Dean, please make it happen. Please bring. We will. Okay. I, I'm sure we will. Thank you. I love you. this I love record, much, man, much. and I'm, I can't wait to hear what happens 24 years later. Thank yeah. you so much for coming <laughs> on. Can't wait to have you back, <laughs> people. It's been the March 12, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.